Father, we thank you and bless you for this day and for this time. We pray now that you will bless our time in your word, that everything we do and say will be pleasing in your sight and will bring glory and honor to you. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For many, it is the number one determining factor as to whether a business will survive or not. According to new data gathered after COVID-19, more than half of those surveyed, 58%, said their expectations for it are higher today than they were a year ago. 66% of customers said they would switch brands if it wasn't present in the brand they were currently using. 71% of customers say they want to experience it consistently across every encounter and engagement they have with a business, but only 29% say they get it. 80% of people said they would be willing to pay more to make sure they get it. It used to be nice to have, but now it's an expectation. It used to be viewed as a luxury, but now it is a necessity. It's called great customer service. Customer service is so important now to a business's success, even if they have a great product, that great product will sit on the shelf if they have poor customer service. Good customer service is not only about bringing customers back, but it's about helping those customers bring you new customers as you continue serving them. And in an era where companies are learning to prioritize customer service, any company that does not have good customer service will crash and burn. But here's the question I want to ask you today. Why do businesses believe in the importance of customer service more than the believers believe and practice Christian service. We will quickly say we're not going back to a place that does not appreciate us and does not give us customer service. But how is it that those of us who name the name of Christ miss the importance of Christian service in our witness to the world. See, businesses practice customer service to raise their profits. But we fail to understand that Christian service will help people discover their purpose. Business uh, uh, customer service is intended uh, to build brand loyalty, but we fail to understand that Christian service helps people build a loyalty to Jesus. The truth is the overwhelming majority of us are more concerned about what we get from God than what we give to others. And we fail to understand that what we give reflects what the Lord has given to us. Uh, Shiv Singh is a strategic advisor. Here's what he says about business. He says, 
The purpose of a business is to create a customer who creates customers. Jesus says the purpose of a Christian is to make disciples who make disciples. In the past, we've talked about the great commission going into all the world and preaching the gospel, teaching the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching people to observe all things. And Jesus says, Lo, I'll be with you. And then we move to the great commandment. Hear, O Israel, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Today, I want to move to that next aspect of what makes us a great person, a great people for God. We know we've got to practice the Great Commission. We, we know we ought to practice and live out the Great Commandment, but today, I want to give you another great. I want to talk about the Great Commitment. The great commitment. And I want to talk today from the thought, the sign of Christian greatness. The sign of Christian greatness. Uh, We have a whole lot of people who think they are great Christians. Not because of how they live, but because of what they have. They think they're a great Christian because of where they live. They think they're a great Christian because of what they drive. They think they are a great Christian because of how big their church is or how big their gift is but but God says that there is a prerequisite there's a requirement there there needs to be evidence that backs up whether or not you are really great in the kingdom of God and my brothers and sisters I submit to you that there are a whole lot of people who come to church who are legends in their own mind they are great in their mind but they're not great according to the kingdom of God Mark chapter 10 is our foundational text today. Uh, Let me give you just a little bit of background. Uh, James and John uh, stirred up some resentment amongst the disciples. Uh, First, in in Mark chapter 9, they they were arguing over who was the greatest in the kingdom. Uh, Some petty stuff that we see happening even in the body of Christ today. They're majoring on minors, stuff that has no kingdom significance at all. And then we get to Mark chapter 10, and and they shift the argument from who's the greatest, discussing it among themselves, to now having the unmitigated gall, the audacity to approach Jesus with that foolishness. Uh, Jesus, can you do us a favor? Now, you know, when everybody, anybody comes to you, ask, can you do them a favor? Uh, you always got to hear the favor first, right? Don't, don't make no blank check promises like, oh, yeah, you know, I got you, man. What, what is it? Jesus says, what, 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 what can I do for you? What, what, what do you need? He said, um, look here, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, can, can I sit on your right and my brother sit on your left? All of the lives that need to be touched and changed. The gospel needing to be preached all around the world. And these two fellas are worrying about who's going to sit on Jesus' right and left. Um, I'll tell you all a little funny story. So when I came to Good Hope in 1994, um, there were five chairs in the pulpit. It was a very traditional Set up the pulpit, five chairs, 
and, and the preachers would run to see who could get in what chair. Uh, we had five associates. So it was kind of like musical chairs, right? There's five associates, one pastor, and there's five chairs up here. And, man, they running. Now, they know not to sit in the middle chair. But they trying to figure out which chair they can get in, who can be on my left, and who can be on my right. And, y'all, I threw them for a curve. I came in and sat on the floor. And they looked, and they trying to figure out why, why is he on the floor? Why did he sit down there where the deacons? Uh, Pastor, you know, the man of God is supposed to sit up here. You're supposed to sit up here. I said, no, I'm good down here. I'm good down here. He said, but, but the folk need to see you. No, they don't need to see me. They need to see Jesus. I don't need them to see me. See, everybody looking to see what I'm going to do and, and what my expressions are. I said, no, 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 no. I'm going to sit down here with everybody else. I'm going to sit right here with everybody else. I said, but I'll tell you what, I said, instead of you all sprinting to see where you are going to sit, I want you all to get excited about seeing how you can serve. I said, don't beat me in the pulpit. Beat me carrying somebody's briefcase. Beat me opening somebody's door, right? Beat me serving somebody. Needless to say, those chairs quickly became empty because none of those brothers stayed because I was determined we were going to turn this thing upside down. We're not going to be celebrities to be served. We are going to be servants who will serve. I got to tell you this little funny story. So we had a funeral, and at the time, we didn't have the Center for Hope. We had the houses, and one of the houses uh, was used as a fellowship hall. And so family is having repass, had a death in the family, had the homegoing service, and family's lined up in there. And <clears throat> uh, Sister Scurry, uh, Sister Stevens, Sister Jordina DeBose, they, they in the kitchen. I mean, they slaving, right, because they cooking from scratch, y'all. They, you know, they're not like the modern sisters. They back in there burning, right? And, and, and Sister Stevens would come with them homemade rolls and that sock timmy cake. And, and, man, and, and, and Big Annie would come with that macaroni and cheese, you know what I mean? And they back there serving, man, that sweet tea, you know. And so I'm sitting out there, and they're serving, and I'm listening to people complain about the slowness of the service. They complain. I, can't, I ain't never seen nothing like this. They act like they didn't know we was coming back. And those three ladies were back there. I mean, they was working as hard as they could. So Victor Bond, I got up. And I went in the back, and I got a picture of tea and water. And he said, Pastor, what are you doing? I said, I'm getting tea and water. He said, well, what you going to do with it? I said, I'm going to go out here and serve the folk tea and water. While y'all working back here, I'm going to take care of that. Pastor, you can't do that. Pastors don't do that. I said, but I'm a servant. And they need to be served. So I get the picture of water and tea, and I'm walking around. Tea and water, tea and water. And, and you should have, listen, you could have bought one of those ladies for a nickel. Because she complaining while I'm pouring. Yeah, and I can't believe it. Thank you, about time. Thank you, summer. Yeah, uh-huh. I said, you sure that's all you want, ma'am? Yes, sir, that's all I want. That's all I... Uh. I said, aren't 
Are you the pastor? I said, yes, ma'am, I am. Is there anything else you need? Uh, no. I said, okay, thank you very much. Next. Old lady said one time, if the task for you is too low, the problem is you're too high. See, see, see these disciples, they were trying to get a position and Jesus was concerned with their posture. You want to see who's going to sit on my left and my right? Jesus says, no, I need to see whether or not you are going to make a commitment to serving as I have served. Here's the first thing. Number one, you need to realize the Lord expects you to live your life differently than unbelievers in relating to other people. The Lord expects you to live your life differently than unbelievers when it comes to how you interact with other people. Verse 42, but Jesus called them to himself and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lorded over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whosoever or whoever desires to be great among you shall be your servant. He says that James and John, but the others are in earshot. You want to know who's going to sit on my left and who, who's going to sit on my right? You want to know who's going to have authority? He said, no, the authority that you are seeking first should not be sought by you. Second, it's not going to be given by me. He says, I, I need you to understand whoever desires to be great among you shall be your servant. He says Gentiles rule that way. Uh, we've seen an inversion in leadership models being presented in the world. That, that there was always traditionally this kind of autocratic, dictatorial, dictator kind of leadership style, right, that just barks orders. Um, but there was a shift that took place, and, and, and people began to see servant leadership introduced into business models. Right. So that now, instead of leaders just sitting at the top, just just bloviating and pontificating and just barking out orders. No, that they're, they're actually equipping and enabling and encouraging their workers and they're seeing productivity go up when the workers and the leaders in the organization are empowered by the leader. That people feel better about coming to work when they know they're appreciated. And they know they're not being used. And let me tell you how crazy it is now. 50 years ago, 60 years ago, the average CEO made three times what the line worker makes or made at that time. Three times. Now, the average CEO makes 260 times what their average line worker makes. They're arguing over $15 an hour that's not even a living wage. With people who make millions per month who can't even identify with worrying about whether gas goes up or down. 
He says, uh, you, you, you have to be careful. Don't, don't, don't think you're going to lord it over them like the Gentiles do. He, he says, you become great by doing what I have done. You become great by following my lead. The world's greatness is self-serving and selfish. But God's greatness is defined by selflessness. See, in the kingdom of the world, the test is how many people do you control? How great an army of servants do you have at your beck and call? How many people can you impose your will upon? But Jesus says, no, that's not to be our model. That's not to be our model. Uh, yesterday, I went to the birthday party for Calvin Johnson. Calvin is one of our dear members, just celebrated his three score and 10 birthday on, on yesterday. And here's what was interesting. Uh, Calvin's an attorney. And I didn't know if they were going to ask me to say anything about Calvin or not, so I had to get prepared just in case, right? So I looked up, actually, I Googled attorney jokes. <laughs> I could not find one positive joke about an attorney, or let me say this, Google couldn't find one. <laughs> and, 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 and the reason... I, I was glad they didn't ask me to speak. I did find something that I could use, but, but here's my point. None of them fit Calvin. Because Calvin is an attorney who is known for his integrity. He's known for his honesty. Because he's a Christian who happens to be a lawyer. He's not a lawyer who is Christian when it's convenient. Come on, thank God for Calvin today. I, I appreciated that testimony. I did. Man, everybody that got up and talked about him, I mean, about 20 people it seemed like talking about him, none of them could say anything bad. They were talking about how he made friends with, with opposing counsel and, and the folk that he was fighting against. He made friends with their clients. I'm like, God, dog, boy, look, I know some attorneys. They were my attorneys, and I ain't friend with them, you know? <laughs> the sign of Christian greatness. Here's the second thing. Number two, you need to realize your desire to be great must be matched by your determination to serve. Your desire to be great must be matched by your determination to serve. Verse 43, yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. That word great, where we get the word mega from, megaphone, megathon, right? This, this idea of, of huge he said, whoever desires to be huge among you must be the servant of all. See, according to the world, you're great when you have servants. Jesus says the kingdom economy of God is inverted so that your greatness is not measured by how many servants you have, but how many people you serve. Jesus says, 
how much service are you willing to give? How much service are you willing to give? I, let, let, me just, let me just put a cord in the meter and park here to help somebody. There's somebody in here right now. Your marriage would change exponentially for the better. If husbands and wives, you just made up in your mind that you would serve each other instead of waiting and demanding for the other to serve you. Well, I ain't going to serve her if she don't serve me first. Well, I ain't serving him because, you know, he just take advantage of it. If both of y'all just said, you know what? Let's just start over. We're going to serve each other. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing instead of you thinking the world revolves around you and them thinking the world revolves around them? Just recognizing that you have a responsibility to each other? Jesus says... When you serve, you are defining and displaying greatness. And that word servant, diakonos, is where we get the same word for deacon and minister, right? It's to serve heartfeltly. It's to serve to the benefit of somebody else. And you know what the problem is in the body of Christ? It's the same problem that's in the world. First of all, we want to be served. Rather than serve. Now, I'm going to mess y'all up. I'm going to mess y'all up. And some of you are going to know what I'm going to say, and I'm still going to mess you up. Watch this. Imagine breakfast in bed. Imagine the smell of bacon, sausage, coffee. The aroma is just wafting in the air. Imagine the door opening and the tray is filled with, 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 with the favorite foods of breakfast. Imagine being able to smell all of that. Now watch this. Everybody in here put themselves in the bed. You waiting for that breakfast to come to you. You're just like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, can I get some hot butter with that pancakes? That's what I'm talking about right there. Mm-hmm. Now, can I get turkey sausage instead of bacon? You know, I'm leaving the pork and we're alone. Can I get some? Right? Now, watch this. Here's what's so killer about our self-centeredness. Some of y'all know the story and you still had yourself in the bed. Some of you may not have put yourself in the bed, but you wasn't carrying the tray. So you knew the story, but you wasn't carrying a tray. You weren't thinking about who you were going to serve. You still waiting to try to figure out who's going to serve you. You're like, yeah, see, that's what I'm talking about right there. That's what Pastor telling you right there. I need that breakfast at least once, a, you know, sometimes, you know, just come by, you know, Egg McMuffin, something, you know, just toss it to me in the bed, something, right? Give me something. We, we always want to be served. We don't think about serving others. And watch this. If we do serve, we don't want to be treated like a servant. We want to be treated like a servant. Oh, man, come on. That's, that's probably the biggest problem. The biggest problem that we're going to have with folk who serve the community. Don't let somebody treat you like a servant. We're going to work, work in this food pantry. 
And you do know everybody that comes through the food pantry to, to get food is not saved. You do know that, right? You, you do know everybody that comes through is not sanctified. Wait a minute. You do know everybody who is serving is not saved or sanctified. <laughs> right? There's some questionable, you know what I mean? Right? Listen, ain't nothing going to test your faith. Like somebody treating you beneath the level you think you should be treated at. Because that flesh will rise up and you'll be like, wait a minute, who do they think they're talking to? Hold on, hold on, hold on, player. Hold on, player, hold on. I'm out here, I'm doing you a favor. Hold on now. We talking to me crazy? Somebody hurry up and get that way. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't be talking to me like I'm a servant or something, you know what I mean? We don't want to be treated like a servant. Man, at least give me a thank you, a smile, right? But what do you do when nobody says thank you? Can you serve even when people look cross-eyed at you? Can you serve somebody not because of how they treat you, but because of how God has treated you? Here's the third and final thing. Number three, you need to follow the example of Jesus and live a life marked by giving and getting instead of give, getting. Let me say it again. You need to follow the example of Jesus and live a life marked by giving, not getting. Verse 45, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Here is Jesus who put aside his royal garb in glory, comes through 42 generation and is born out of the womb of a virgin girl in a ghetto in Bethlehem. Based on his Divine pedigree, he should have been in a palace. But he's born in a stable, in a manger, where animals reside. No room for him in the inn. But he came and died for you and for me. And Jesus says, even I didn't come to be served came to serve and give my life a ransom for many, do you think you are going to be required to do less than I have? Like if Jesus came to serve, who are you to think that serving is beneath you? Who are you to think that you have a right to stand and judge others? Who, who are you to think that you are better than Jesus. Jesus says, I came and gave my life a ransom for many. That word ransom is an interesting word um, because it, it literally means uh, to redeem. It, it's the price of release. He said, I came not to rule, but to, to give my life to release others from the debt of sin that they could not pay for themselves. 
And if the Lord came and gave himself, Jesus says, why would you not give yourself? Look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, beginning at verse 5. Let's read it together. For there is only one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. Philippians chapter 2, you sound good. Let's read it together. Verse 3. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Matthew says it like this, the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself would be exalted. So here's the question I want to ask you. Are you willing to submit and sacrifice your desires to become what you need to be in order to help others become all that God desires. See, the truth of the matter is we live so much of our lives through the lens of selfishness and self-serving and egocentrism that we don't even realize when serving ourselves is to our own detriment. True story. Some of the scholarship counselors who came, one, one brother came with 30 full rides. He was ready to give 30 full rides worth over $300,000. 30 full rides. Now, when I say full ride, listen, if I give you $100,000 and school costs you $200,000, that's not a full ride because you still got to borrow $100,000, you follow me? But I, if I give you 100000 and school costs 100000 that's a full ride. He had 30 full rides. A family member called another family member and said, hey, they giving out full scholarships over at Good Hope. You can go down there and get a full scholarship. I'm tired. I've been working hard. That was like 4.30. Texted them back. Hey, they open till 6 o'clock. And it's right down the street. You can walk there. I'll catch them next time. Now, you're talking about a self-centeredness that was to your own detriment? 
Man, come on, somebody. See, you know that person's not grown, no, for real, right? They're adulting. They're not an adult. Because anybody that's grown, wait a minute, I can walk down the street and get 100000 I'm crawling. I may be tired. I'll fall asleep while a man is talking to me, but I will be there. What? But, 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 but that's how deadly being selfish can be. You get so selfish, you will become a detriment to your own progress and to your own prosperity. Greatest players of all time on a sports team make other people around them better. It's not how, how, how their stats are. You look at their stats, but look at the folk around them. Right? Look at the folk around them and see if they make anybody around them better. Who's a better Christian because you're around them? Who's a better child of God? Who has made a greater commitment to the Lord because you are in their life? Let me just close by telling you this. Customer service is vital to the success of a business. Christian service is vital to the success of a ministry. Customer service helps businesses retain customers. Christian service helps churches retain believers. Customers now have more options in the world than ever before. Whether you realize it or not, Christians have more options now in the world than ever before. It's not just how fast they can drive, it's how fast they can click. And they can worship anywhere in the world. What is going to make us a place where lost souls can be found, where people who are bound can be set free? It's not based on our ability to sit. It's based on our ability to serve. And in our serving, will we add value? To those that we serve. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and bless you for this day. We thank you because the good news is you reward servants. We see over and over again in your word and the parables when you come to judge. When you assess the work of your servants, your commendation, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler now over many. Help us to embrace serving. Help us to find fulfillment in helping people become all that you want them to be. Help us, God to model for others what you have done for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.